Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about mycorrhizal fungi. In our spotlight, we're going to look at FarmSense's new flight sensor technology. Egg History Minute, we're going to talk about Henry A. Wallace. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events. And in our GDU updates, we'll tell you where we're at. So with me today are Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. <clears throat> Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So it's been a bit dry. I don't know if you guys have noticed the lack of precipitation this last three weeks or so, but... Haven't had to mow my lawn this week. That's good. I didn't think I mowed mine in like three. Yeah. Yeah, pretty dry out there. So I, I mowed last week, and there's like certain spots. It's like chopping straw. It's so dry. It's well, probably the driest we've been in like two and a half years, probably two. It just <clears throat> weird how it just the spigot didn't shut off until it did. And I, I'm like walking these fields, freaking out. You know, like how dry these fields look. And I had a farmer tell me the other day. He's like, you know, this ain't so bad. We're doing pretty good. Normally we go through a stretch in July and August when we're dry. I'm like, you know, you're right. Like we're just so not used to being. The last two years have been so wet. We're not used to this little patch of and dry weather. And realistically, I think our dry weather probably looks a little bit worse this year because we put on kind of poor roots this spring because it was mm-hmm. relatively wet. You know, if you had a, a moderately dry spring, it really wouldn't look as bad as it does. And we just built a corn plant not to weather this dry period. It was right. so wet. And so, yeah, it just wasn't ready for it. Right. Yeah, it was interesting how we had, you know, a fairly dry spring mm-hmm. and then we were super wet and now we're on the tail end of that of... Wishing we had the occasional rain. The, the comment was made to me yesterday. There was a guy uh, chisel plowing, and we stopped just to, you know, check things out. And he goes, I've never seen dust behind the chisel plow before. And I went, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that's the, true. The cracks in the ground are pretty cavernous. I mean, it's like having the Grand Canyon run through what, some of these What fields. is amazing is it seems like less cracks, but the ones that are there are huge. Right. I would agree. Yep. They're giant. Do you think that has right. something to do with compaction? Is that like a... Well, it could be. Yeah, I don't know what the... I dug down two feet yesterday without actually digging. That was just like pulling crack chunks like apart. Oh. Like so, yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty good one. So what are you guys thinking for silage? I I think the some of the early stuff, the guys that knew they were gonna be short and ran some shorter, you know, eighty, early ninety day corn probably could be going pretty quick here, but I think most of mine'll start coming off. By Labor Day, I would say, is will be started. It's weird. Labor Day is late this year. Do you guys remember when Labor Day? It's the 7th? Yeah, 7th, which is super weird because I'm like, oh, it's like the 1st, but the 1st is a Tuesday. So, yeah, it's the 7th. That's the 1st. Second day is, no. Second is the 1st day of school? I I, I don't know. I think most schools are going back that Tuesday. Well, the 31st is a Monday, so then Tuesday is the 1st. The 1st. Yeah, so I think the 1st is the day they're going. Yeah, so it's weird this year where it's like around Labor Day, but Labor Day is kind of super late, or that's as late as it can be. I if, if your kids are going to real school and not virtual yeah, school. Yeah, virtual school. When does that start? Virtual school whenever, I guess. Yeah, I don't start know. today. And there are some schools that started this yesterday, actually. I saw a school, um, a private school in the area started yesterday, so we'll see. Well, even a couple of universities started early because yeah. we had some scouts that went back. Yep. Early. Yeah, shout out to the scouts. But yeah, they're back, kind of getting back into it so that by Thanksgiving, a lot of them can have more breaks. Shout out to the scouts. Hopefully they're listening. (laughs) Blasted in the dorms, kids. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Turn off the hip hop. Turn on the tilt. It used to be NWA. 
Now it's TTR, when baby. You're in your COVID quarantine, you can just sit and listen to us. It'd be perfect. We need to release the greatest hits album so that they can yeah. have something to play in the dorms. Yeah, but I think silage will be, you know, I'm pulling my estimates up about four to seven days yeah. than what I kind of originally thought. And if you look back to the university thing, it's it says 45 days from tassel is when kind of silage is. But there is a range there of 42 to 47 days, so I think it's going to be closer to that. Yeah, especially because if we stay dry. We've had the heat, be, too, yeah. so it's we've had both heat and being dry. And it's dry. not like the heat's going away if you look no. at the five, seven days. We're maxing out. Core, yeah, it's, it's well, we're not hitting 90s. We're hitting 86 steady. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it, that's corn's, I mean, that's full throttle for corn. Wide open. Yeah. I was thinking originally if you would ask me a month ago, silage was going to be like the 10th to that's, the 15th. Almost all mine say right, the eighth to the fourteenth, like, yep, no, and now I'm like the fourth ish to the yep. yeah, for sure, for sure. Moving it up now a little bit this week. Good news is we won't be doing silage dry downs for like eight weeks, like last year where yeah. planting was so spread out, yeah. so we had dry downs I think, forever. Please, please just dry. Please, I, please I, dry think, I think I might have taken a dry down in November last year. I'm pretty sure I did. I got late on a couple of those, and I was yeah. like, man, this has been... I, well, I've been doing this since, That like, wasn't like 50% moisture or something super low, ridiculous. No, yeah, it, that, that was, was still wet. Yeah. It, That's crazy. It started to dry soon thereafter because we had a hard freeze on November 1st last yeah. year. So that was when the ground was hard enough that we couldn't sample for like two days. <laughs> like right now. Have you guys yes. seen... Am I crazy? Are you, you seen any beans just starting to potentially turn? Yes. Okay. Yep. Oh, yeah. Because yep. this is the week where, oh, man, there's, like, sun death or it's some disease. Field just outside the town. I'm like, yesterday I drove by, and I'm like, that kind of looks yeah, yellow. Yeah, no, I'm like, that's, that's turning. Tur- yeah, yeah, I'm like, and that's, and then I walk in, I'm like, whoa, this is turning. This isn't. Yeah. No, I've started to see it. Um, I actually was talking to one of your farms just the other day, and if you, he said he walked out, and if you look under the canopy, you yep. can start to see there's the, the bottom the ones are yep. going. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. We saw some some yesterday. Feel like the edges, you know, were starting to turn. So hopefully, it will be combining beans before the first of October. Yeah, yeah. I think by the end of the month, we'll see a lot more stuff turning, and it goes quick now. Like it's funny, like beans. You're like, man, are these ever going to turn? And then the first field you see turn, and then it's like the next down, day, yeah. everything is. Yeah, and the ones I've been seeing turn are like your yeah, point eights to one point two. So I mean, they're the shorter maturity stuff. But yep. All right. Do you watch the Bucks this week? Hey, they finally kind of pulled their heads yeah. out of their butts and <laughs> played like they want to win. Played like, like it's a, the playoffs. Like it's a playoff the playoff game. The first yeah. game, they're just like, oh, this is just practice still, isn't it? And then we can, realize this is We the can use, lose three. We just have to win four. Yeah. One thing I noticed is Giannis, I don't think before he necessarily got the calls like a LeBron or a big name, but now in the bubble, I don't think he gets, he gets no call. Like yeah. they treat him like any other guy. It's not. I feel like in general, maybe in the bubble, they're a little bit more uh, letting them, letting the kids well, play a little and more. And I think that's part, they say fans, obviously, you know. Right. Affect, it's a, it's like, a limited and engagement, so you need yeah, to yeah, right. be as entertaining as you can. And that's part of home field advantage, right? The right. crowd can affect the, the refs. Especially in basketball, right. where you're hacking people and stuff. Well, and that you're on, like in football, you're not that close. In basketball, right. you, you can right, touch yeah. the official. Like, yeah. they're right there. Yep. I, I will say with sports in general, we've had some interesting uh, cardboard cutouts with like baseball and stuff. You've had Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's yeah. hanging out in the yep, back. And, I uh, saw that. Apparently, Osama bin Laden made an Ooh. appearance. 
at a game. I saw that on Twitter the other day. So okay. it's funny how different each stadium is doing it because the Brewers got the little cutouts and like now that they're playing the Twins at Target, like they got the giant fat head type. Sure, where it's just their heads, but they're huge heads. It's crazy how different each each I, uh, ballpark's taken. I saw one get hit with a home run the other day. I don't know if it was, I don't know which game I was watching, but saw one get hit with a home run and it knocked them like out of the chair. It knocked like three or four of them out because it hit one and then the ball kind of bounced and it knocked a bunch of them off. So some people didn't enjoy their game. They, they weren't paying attention. They have their hands <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> they weren't ready. Got to be ready, man. Good athletic position. That's right. All right. You guys ready to get into this? Let's, Let's go. go. All right. So we'll, today we're going to talk about mycorrhizal fungi. So... You might be saying, what is that? Well, the word mycorrhiza comes from the Greek. And this, I should have looked up how to pronounce this. It looks like mucus. Is yeah, how you it would say look like mucus. Uh, but mucus. Mucus or mucus fungus, which is Greek for fungus, and rhiza, which is root. Um, so they are fungus that grow on the roots. So the, that kind of is a really good descriptor for them. Uh, so when you have plants in the ground, they will colonize that root. And what do they do? Well, they are in a symbiotic relationship with the plant. So they help the plant. The plant helps them. Uh, the plants get access to better water and nutrient absorption, and the fungus get carbohydrates that are produced by the roots as a part of photosynthesis. So are you telling me, Matt, that the word mycorrhiza... Is the technically just means the relationship between right? So that's more how how they're related. Not that mycorrhizal fungus isn't just this I, a specific I it was type like of a type, yeah. yeah. But it's the actual relationship. So it's any fungus that will yeah colonize the root and be symbiotic with the plant. Yeah. So you could change your relationship status on yes to symbiotic yes, yes. to or mycorrhizal, mycorrhizal if you're. All the corn on Twitter out there, or they wouldn't put it on Twitter, Facebook. Yes. They could change their relationship status too. Um, so what do they do? Well, as we talked about, they give the plants better water and nutrient absorption, and they get the carbohydrates. In return, they produce glomalin, which is the glue that helps hold soil together. So as we've been talking about soil health, it's like you want good structure, good you know ability to hold water, and this Glomalin is the glue that helps hold everything together. So having these roots there is important. The glue holds the soil, holds the structure. It's benefiting the plant. If you have more water in the soil, this these fungi are helping get that water into the plant. So in a situation like we're in now where it was wet, 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 now we're, we've been dry for almost a month, you would improve the quality of that soil improve the uptake of those plants and keep them healthier longer, wouldn't be seeing as much drought stress. Um, so rather than relying on the plant itself to hold those traits of drought, you know, being drought tolerant, it would, making your soil drought tolerant would help out. And these mycorrhizal fungi are much smaller than normal roots, right? So they're right, able they're to mine more... So that's what you're just talking about, mine more soil nutrients, soil water in smaller pores than maybe what a, a corn root could do. Yep. 
Yeah, so they're, for the most part, beneficial. Um, they can be a carbon sink. So um, from what I was reading about that, basically if there's ample nutrients, so the plant doesn't need to take up as much nutrient, and the fungi are trying to help absorb nutrient, but the plant's not uptaking it, it can actually have a negative effect on the plant by kind of trying to force those nutrients into the plant and it's taking a toll on the plant because the plant's like, hey, I don't need this. And the fungi are like, no, please, this is my job. So, so Eat, so, eat. So it's like when you go to grandma's house. Exactly, <laughs> yep. And she's like, you need to eat. And I'm like, no, nah, I, I think I'm all right. When you have like a full helping of something, like you already kind of overdid it. Yep. And then I cleaned my plate, Grandma. I swear. No, no, no. no. You want another scoop? Yeah. That's when you go to the in-laws for lunch, <laughs> and then you go to Grandma's for supper, and Grandma didn't remember that you had lunch, and she just wants to keep piling it on. Yep. My move, Max, is you you just fill your plate extremely light at first, and kind of smear it around so it looks like you, and knowing you're going to get like a third helping. My so. Grandma's actually she gives you lots of options, but she's always her saying has always been. You can. You should only take a little because you can always get more, but you can't put it back. So she's actually pretty good about that. But you get lots of options. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I've had more of the situation of there's more. It's got It's got to go. Like you guys got to eat more. I made all this food. That would be my other <laughs> grandma. Don't yep. you ever want to tell grandma like, why do you make so much? Yeah. Maybe if you like, made less food, make we'd half. Eat it Half of what you do. You lived through the Great Depression. <laughs> why don't you remember? That? <laughs> you should be stingier. <laughs> Oh, jeez, Louise. Um, so mostly positive benefits from the mycorrhiza there, there um, but but there's still more to learn. So what you're saying, there's there's potentially this dark side of it that it could be giving not always what you want or to or or I mean obviously there's a cost to it too that it does take something from the plant, and so if it takes that to from the plant, and the plant doesn't need what it's giving back. Right. You know, there's a. I'm sure the opposite uh, could be true too, where you know it's taking the carbohydrates from the plant, and if the the plant say there's not enough nutrient available. It's it's trying to feed, but it can't. But it's still taking. You know, then it would could negatively impact it that way too. So there, there's still more to learn about it. We, you know, we're really just getting scratching the surface of this particular. I know reading studies about it, Matt. Um, it's really hard to study oh, that yeah. because one, you need to have them form the relationship, mm-hmm. and then you got to see like, okay, which one's winning or losing. So <laughs> yeah, t- yeah, it's like t- a, Tinder for fungi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to come up with an app for the fungus and the plants to. Uh... You know, and a lot of the research was done in greenhouses, which there too is going to be more of a sterile sort of different Control. environment. Yeah, right. Um, it's different than actually in field. What the type. field's going to show you. I mean, so. You get a wet year, dry year, whatever whatever that year is could depend on how much mycorrhizae form. Like you know? for us then when we put amendments on to try to like study it, it's going to be really hard because you're going to go off a of yield. And well, listen, and, and that's where, you know, I, I know we did, a, I think it was you applied what back a ways on mycorrhizal amendments you that you can do. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> okay. That would just be our greatest hits <laughs> album is Bill saying, what did you do what for you do? for 23 hours? <laughs> You've um, been waiting a long time, Max. I know. I saw it on your face. I had to do it. So I, I don't think we know enough to say that that's the best option is to try to add these mycorrhizal fungi to your your soil. We don't know, you know, what the right situation is for that. 
So use them cautiously. I mean, try them, do test strips rather than going whole hog into, oh, this says mycorrhizal fungi, you know, and I I need this. It's a good thing. Um, just be a little more wary about, you know, adding populations. Like I said, try it in strips. Um, there are some certain mixes of cover crops that I know are out there that also are supposed to promote um, these populations of mycorrhizal fungi. So there are two, you know, other options of getting them out there. But um, again, we're still just kind of scratching the surface of this. We know they have positive benefits and it seems like it's mostly positive, um, but there can be some negatives too. So, Yeah, one key thing they talked about in one of the studies was a lot of it depends on the amount of root colonization. So that's the hard part is you might put it out there and then you you don't have enough root colonization or you, or you or you have too much so we might you might see a wide range of of outcomes where one time it worked really well and the next time it didn't and like i said it could be from both sides that it was over colonized or under colonized or you know to find and hit that sweet spot is going to be tough where you know cover crops are just trying to build that soil health with with that might be a better way because then the plant sort of decides how much it needs and how much it wants to put out on Tinder or Facebook that it's, you know, looking for a relationship or not. So. It's complicated. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, um, different different fungi colonize different roots. So as you're rotating crops, you may have a good population of mycorrhiza for corn, but then you switch to soybeans and it takes time to build that population up. So the biology can vary depending on what kind of crop you're growing too. That'd be a good that'd be a good bio. I'm a fungi who gets along with all roots. Yep. Right there, that's what we need. Get it? I'm a fungi who gets along with all roots. We get it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's enough of that for today. <laughs> no shirtless pictures, please. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what a topless fungi looks like, but I don't think it's necessary. So. All right, so there you go. There's the introduction to mycorrhizal fungi, um, kind of what they do. And like like we said, we're still learning more about them, but they seem to have some pretty positive benefits for soil and help, you know, form that glue to hold the structure of the soil together. All right, now we'll move into our spotlight. So FarmSense has come out with a flight sensor that features remote field monitoring and real-time insect classification. So it is uh, kind of an AI-based technology, which we're seeing more and more of those out in the market these days for flying over with like a drone, flying over your field and identifying um, issues in the field, whether it be insect pests or... Um, <clears throat> monitoring disease and that kind of thing. So uh, they've built up a database to help the sensor identify those issues in your field. So they're saying it can help farmers lower pesticide and insecticide use by optimizing application only when there is an issue. Uh, you can get a variety of sizes for the sensor and can be adjusted based on what type of insects you're particularly worried about. So you know, if you're having Japanese beetle issues, you can adjust to that or worried more about aphids, I would imagine, 
though soybean aphids I think would be kind of hard to see from mm. from a drone just being that they're on usually on the underside of the plant. I will say though this sounds intriguing to me because how many times have you been in a field and you see a population of insects and obviously it's very inefficient to scout the whole field or you know a big portion of it so having a drone that could fly over faster and get a more sense is it just one area is it the whole field i think that could be helpful for us i, I see in here this uh research was funded by bill and melinda I, gates I, yeah again. they've come up a I, couple times in the how day. are they ever, yeah i'm just looking up how much they give a year because it's like how are they always giving to every company but it says, uh, yeah, i have guess, an idea guess how much max they give per year per to, year well, okay this is 2018 direct grantee support more than just academic donations this that they just make? says total just like they're, I, they got to be worth a billion right? one one, oh, one billion dollars well they're, they're worth more they're oh they're worth, worth billions billions yes. i would yeah. say they probably give hundred five hundred million. million a year five billion a year it's five holy billion. Oh. So, because, wow. and then in this endowment, there's 46 billion in, like, that's what they gave. Oh, sure. So it's coming out of an endowment fund now. Yeah, yeah. that's Bill, what they... Bill, if you're listening, I would love to do research on how bush light affects <laughs> the digestive system of a 24-year-old male in Wisconsin. So if you could please, that'd be great. 100,000 would be enough for you, that. Yeah, I mean, I could I could get by with like 50 even probably. Really, that's a small fraction of the total. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't fund that. Correct. Bill, it's if like you're listening, uh, Tilt Talk Radio could use some uh th- We could funding. have the Bill and Melinda Gates Studios. There we go. 1% is all we're asking yeah, for. Yeah, 1% stake in your company. We will negotiate our valuation with you. <laughs> There's a lot of employees at the foundation. 1,400 employees in the foundation. It's a lot of people that just get to give out money. He's definitely using his money for the greater good, too, isn't he? Yeah, it seems, yeah, a variety of different things. I mean, we're just seeing the agriculture side of things, but I I, I know there's other things he's he's got to be doing with that amount of money. So, yeah, that's, that's cool. I well, mean, I'm sure there's some money-making venture for him, too, if some of these work out. I mean, to a point, you know, right. this AI stuff, I mean, that's his that's his wheelhouse, so. Right, yeah, Microsoft, his former company, is pretty big in that that sector. I so. didn't realize Warren, Warren Buffett gives, like, a bunch into the endowment, too, which I know they're buddies yeah, or whatever. It's they're Bill friends. and Melinda Gates Foundation, but yeah, yeah. there's other no, investors. Or yeah. Warren Buffett ain't getting any of the street cred for it. He put in, like, $2 billion a year for the last, like, 10 years. Ch- chump change. Yeah. Only two? So it's like. Yeah, so there is other people putting money into it too. I guess is Warren Jimmy's brother, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I believe uh, Warren owns Margaritaville. <laughs> yes, Jimmy just runs it. Gotcha. It's one of those deals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Oracle of Omaha. <laughs> uh, all right. So now we'll move into our egg history minute. If Todd can play the music, there. he's trying to figure I out just, how to get money from Bill and Melinda. Yeah. He's, still, he's still in that. I, I tried to talk slow so he'd have time to like move over to the the button, but gotta love the banjo. Yeah, this egg history minute is even more exciting. So last week we touched on this guy a little bit um, when we did our egg history minute last week. So today we're going to talk about Henry A. Wallace. So he was born in Iowa in 1888. Uh, was the son of 
Agriculture Secretary Henry C. Wallace, who served from 1921 to 1924. So we don't do juniors here. We just change middles. Just change the middle name. Yep. Okay. So Henry worked as a journalist for his family's farm journal, the Wallace's Farmer, as well as founding the Hybrid Corn Company. The Hybrid Corn Company is a well-known, a pretty popular company uh, that we know today as Pioneer Seeds, or is their uh, company name, I think, is officially Pioneer Hybrid International. So Wallace served as Secretary of Agriculture himself from 1933 to 1940 under President Roosevelt. In 1940, he became Vice President, though he was replaced by Harry Truman for the following election in 1944. He then became Secretary of Commerce from 1945 to 1946. So spent a lot of time in government. Uh, later, he would actually run for president under a uh, progressive, the Progressive Party, which was a third party. And spent, that was kind of his last foray into politics and then kind of retired on his pioneer money, I guess. So so he was the Ross Perot of the day? A little bit, yeah. Got involved. The Bernie Sanders? It, it was a little more common, I think, because uh, the other Roosevelt, Teddy, he ran as a, a bull moose for his uh, election because he was a vice president. His president died. He became president and the party didn't want to run him, so he said, oh, Screw you guys, I'll run myself. Um, so I think it was a little more common to have things like that um, at that time, more than we see today. Where they don't have a chance. Yeah, where it's not even a... When did Roosevelt die? How how many years into Harry, like into that term? And... It was, I think, like he, he died before the end of World War II, which was 1945, so... It would have been yeah that within that first year. Wow, think of that too. Election, like you're yeah. literally a year away from right. Had he had he continued to be vice president, yeah, he would have he been, would president have been president within a year. So, yeah, because he died died in early '45. Because then Truman took over, and Truman's the one that dropped the bombs on Japan. Yeah, think of how different that could be too if you had decided to drop the bombs. Yeah. The, butter, the butterfly effect. We probably one of us probably wouldn't even be here. It's it's entirely impossible. The should, whole world could be different. Just ask Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> he made the movie. I've never actually also. seen the movie Butterfly Effect, so I think they made a bunch of straight to video sequels too. I swear there's like three of those now. Probably. But all right, enough of that. Todd, tell us about NAICC. If you like what you're hearing, please go to NAICC.org, and there you'll find a crop consultant in your area. Uh, please tell a friend, tell a farmer friend about the podcast, and um, have them subscribe. Show them how to download the player. And uh, we just appreciate you listening, and all we ask is that you tell a friend about the podcast. Matt, where can they find us? Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio, uh, and you can find us in Apple iTunes podcasts as well as in many podcast players, in particular Podcasts Addict is the one that Todd and I use. So, Are you addicted to podcasts, Matt? I am. I'm addicted to this podcast. He shows up every week. I wish, yeah. I, I, wish I could quit you, podcast. You cannot. <laughs> you guys got any more of them podcasts? <laughs> I'm here for the 3 o'clock free podcast giveaway. <laughs> All right. So now we'll go into our current events with Cool Beans, or that's corny. So Cool Beans? Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans.
beans. All right, our cool beans for this week is FFA. National FFA hits record membership of 760,000 plus for this year. So, uh oh. Agriculture. It's not working, Dad. Oh. Yeah, we got a little more feedback than air horn. Uh oh. We won't have it for the GDU updates now either. You you broke it. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. At the National FFA conventions, do they do the. uh, the old um, air horn max. I was never cool enough to go to national FFA conventions. What? So, oh come on. So they at least one. I yeah, never you did go to one. I, I never got to go. Gosh, my parents even took me to watch Bill get his yeah. like national degree. I went in, like eighth grade. I was, was not. Great. I was not the greatest FFA member. I really liked FFA, but I was not the most active member. Well, so this is on you, man. You were just yeah. You were just. Leeching off the ones that were, weren't you? I, he was in it for the girls. Yeah. There was girls at the National All FFA Convention. Yeah, I've heard lots of stories about National FFA Convention. Oh, there's the there's definitely a good good chance to meet girls there. But, no. I uh, I was never elected. Uh, I believe we only had officers go, and I was never elected as an officer. So, so sad. We had a big group go. I think ours was just officers. We needed, we needed two chaperones one year. Ooh, Ooh, fancy. Was, so, was your dad one of the chaperones? No, no. we won't talk about that. The can't, chaperone. Can't get away from the farm for that long. Come on, Max. Dad, you're embarrassing me. Stop. <laughs> I just want to go hang out with my friends, not with you, Dad. So anyway, back to the news. Uh, today, the National FFA organization announced the record high membership of 760,113, which is an increase over last year where they had 700,170, so a pretty significant wow. increase, 60,000 or so more people. Hmm. The top five membership states, Texas, California, Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma. Florida just to me doesn't. Yeah, you wouldn't strike me as a big right. FFA. I mean, obviously, Texas, Texas, California, they're Oklahoma, big states, California. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the Florida, the FFA down there is probably a little different than up here. It's probably, I would think so. It's probably not a lot of dairy cow. Well, fruit yeah, dairy kids. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's oh, yeah. The, I would say it's a lot of the fruit, fruit trees. trees or so, or similar. Max, it says the convention is being held virtually this year. And more accidents for students to attend. Now so you can go, Max. Could have went back in the day. Heck yeah. See, was I'm it going. November? Mr. Shampoo, who's that weird guy <laughs> on, the, on the Zoom <laughs> call with us? Maybe that's what I should do is sign up to be a chaperone so I can get my you, chance. On um, your virtual chaperone? Well, no, not not this year. On Sirius XM, uh, they play the, on what's the egg channel? Roll. Yeah, Roll Radio. RFD plays, Radio. Plays the uh, National FFA convention that week, all the speeches and that's, stuff. So. That's awesome. Yeah, who's pretty who's cool. their big deal speaker this year? Because they, yeah. they always they get, get like a big country act. Like, Garth yeah. Brooks was there a few years ago. and well, I think he's been there a lot. Because I know my cousins, when they went, talked about one year, I think it was Garth Brooks. Another year it was um, Blake Shelton, I think, was there one year. And then they have them play a concert, too, usually, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know there's a concert every year, but I guess some years you probably get two for one. You get the keynote and the concert out of them. So congratulations to National FFA on that achievement. And now for That's Corny, we've got uh, 
Iowa corn falling dramatically. Minnesota corn beats Iowa by nearly 20 bushel. Ooh. Wow. So that's probably not normal. Uh, so 2019 was insane, but 2020 is hold, says hold my beer. We got this. Hold my beer. So with the Duraco winds and everything, all the damage being done, uh, Iowa's corn yield estimate dropped pretty significantly. So Minnesota is taking the crown for highest corn yield estimates this year, beating Illinois as well. Soybeans are expected to be more variable uh, in general, but yeah, so Iowa is just expected to get an average of 177.8 bushel. Only 177 average? That's a drop of five bushel, I think it said, yeah. Well, when we From got last year, when we got ten million corn acres just wiped out, right? And you it's know, it's hard the, to make up. You know, that's like two fifty, right? Yep. Yeah, that's that's taking a big hit. So, unfortunately for Iowa, their their pain just keeps kind of going and going. So now we'll move into our GDU updates. Todd, you get the air horn fixed. Yay! There we go. One more for the FFA kids. Perfect. All right, so we skipped last week, but this week we'll be back here with GDU updates. So Crivets to the north, they're at 1771. Their normal is 1691, so they are 80 above normal. Here in Seymour, we're at 1893. Our normal is 1878, so we're 15 above. And in Sun Prairie... They're at 2029. Normal is 1851. So they are 178 they're, GDUs above. They're still. They're cooking down there. They're still trending up. Yep, they are. They're at the peak. It is. It is definitely cooking. We've kind of been hanging around normal, haven't we? We were a month or so ago. We were way ahead, and now we've just kind of normalized. Yeah, we had a little bit of cool weather that for you know like a week, but now we're. We're probably gaining again because, right. like Todd said earlier, we're kind of maxing we're, out. We're, yeah, and we're above normal temps right now. So we're still I, getting, our, our lows seem lower than like it's hot during the day and then cools off a lot at yeah, night. It gets so quite, I wonder if some prairie it's just the lows higher that much that it that they're gaining that much more. But to hit one seventy eight, it's pretty above normal. Yeah, it's it's doing doing good. Way to go, some prairie. <laughs> You're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) The horn's back. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. So thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. Yeah, Matt. Thanks. So today we talked about mycorrhizal fungi and the part they play in soil health. In our spotlight, we looked at FarmSense's new flight sensor for helping identify issues, especially pests in the field. Egg History Minute, we talked about Henry A. Wallace one of the, the founder of Hybrid Corn Company, which is today Pioneer Seeds. Cool Beans, that's corny. We covered National FFA hitting record membership and Iowa Corn taking a beating. And our GDU updates were all, all above normal. So congrats, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, happy farming.